All right, hello everyone. Uh, happy New Year, and welcome to another episode of Criterion Deep Dives. Uh, this is the first episode of 2021, and I'm really excited for a lot of the films that we have coming up that we'll be watching this year um, in the second year of doing this podcast. Um, so it's going to be really great. I'm excited to keep watching movies with with my friends and, and sharing them with people. So uh, today on the podcast, we have Tori Scazzaro. Hello, Tori. Hey, uh, how's it going? Good. How are you doing? Good. Good. I'm excited that you could join us. Um Tori is the Tori's an avid listener of Criterion Deep Dives, as I've found out. Um, yeah. uh, I believe the first documented case of uh, a paid subscription to the Criterion Channel <laughs> that we've discovered uh, from from this apparently from this podcast to keep up with it. So um, I just want to let my you know corporate sponsors know that. So. Uh, but anyways, yeah, Tori's here. Um, Tori, can you tell the audience what movie you chose? Or let's start with uh, like diving in and like sort of your thought process, like what movie you wanted to watch and how you arrived on the, the movie that we watched. Okay, definitely. So on Criterion Channel, which by the way, if you're not subscribed, like why not? It's really cool website. <laughs> um, the channel... Uh, yeah, I subscribed so I could follow along with Mike's episodes, but it's like a, like really beautiful format as opposed to like Netflix and Amazon prime and like all the other streaming services. I don't know why I, I really love. Yeah. That's a great point. Criterion channel. Like it's just really aesthetically pleasing to me. Uh-huh. So I don't and know. They also, they also do like the, they also do like the collections and the features and they have like, uh, they have like double features every week. Yeah, exactly. Um, they kind of tell you what to watch because there are so many movies and like a lot of really good movies are actually quite boring to like normal people like me. <laughs> and so you can like, learn a little bit and they do like interviews with directors or writers and things like that. So you can learn directly from them. Um, and so I noticed that they had the um, three films by Barbara Streisand. Yes. And I was like, Oh, that's really cool. And I was like, she's an EGOT. Like, she's an amazing performer <laughs> all around. So this must be, like, these must be really good movies. And then I looked, and they looked like kind of cheesy, like, 90s movies. So I put it off and right. um, gave myself an excuse to watch them. Like, especially, like, actually, especially Yentl. I didn't think looked good. And then um, – I saw, I actually, when you like scroll over it, it tells you a little blurb and says, and I saw that it was written, directed, produced, and starred, and Criterion actually tells you like, that's the first time, the first time a major Hollywood movie was written, directed, produced, and starred in by a female. Um, yeah. She, she's everything, so I don't know what to call her, performer celebrity i guess yeah she's a she's a she's a superstar uh barbara streisand she's she's like you said she's an egot do you know i do we do we know what she i mean i guess she's probably won multiple awards of each i know for the oscars she she won best actress for her first film funny girl in 1968 i don't know about the other Catherine hepburn too okay the first best actress was shared (laughs) Yeah, it seems petty, but maybe there was some politics going on because Catherine Hepburn was probably like, 
I don't, was that her first Oscar? Or I think she had won other Best Actress awards. Or The Lion. The Lion in Winter, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I wonder if it was, you know, uh, Babs is the newcomer and Catherine Hepburn as the <clears throat> the uh, the old deserving star if it, there was a yeah. little bit of politicking going on. How do they yeah. end up with a tie? Like, is that like, you know. Well, how does it happen? I like only briefly touched on that on like looking up other things about the movie. And I was like, okay, I have to dig into that deeper. But yeah. I didn't, I haven't done that yet. But yeah, that's, that seems like a scandal. Yeah, um, for sure. So the first ones, the first was her Grammys. She won like two Grammys initially because she started out with music. Yes. And um, yeah. And then, and then the Oscars and then um, I don't know oh, what the yes. other ones are for, but. To the tea and you got <laughs> <laughs> no, no Tommy's. I don't know what she got. Oh, okay, okay, okay. <laughs> Probably, yeah, I mean, she's she's been in a lot. She's been like like you said. Like, I mean, I read she's recorded over fifty studio albums. She's been in tons yeah. of movies. Right, uh, done a lot of show these same shows that she made movies out of on Broadway as well. Like Funny Girl was a was a play on Broadway first. Um, mm-hmm. So, you know, once again, she's just an absolute superstar. She's a, she's a household name. I, you know, I think growing up, she's one of those people who I knew the name Barbara Streisand long before I even knew who she was, like long before I ever saw her in anything right. on television or film. Um, yeah. So she's, she, yeah, I mean, I think that her debut in Funny Girl was a huge hit and she became a star. Mm-hmm. So um, like, are you a big, like, are you a big, like, Barbara Streisand fan? Like, is that part of, is that, like, somebody that you've, that you've, like, followed before? Or was it more new just seeing this and being like, oh, that's something I should check out? I think the only movies that I really knew from her, Meet the Fockers and Little Fockers. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I knew she was, like, I knew, uh, so, like, when I was little, like, my that was, like, one of our favorite movie well not i was i wasn't little but i think it was like i don't know how old i was but like younger like Walkers was was 2010 i think something like that right oh my no that's when i graduated <laughs> it had to be before that it's like 2000s well well meet the parents was meet the parents was the first one right oh yeah yeah which I would have been a little <laughs> earlier yeah, we had like these family friends we always hung out with and we, we always watched those movies. And uh, I knew that she was like a legend, but I didn't know like the background. But um, anyway, I loved her in that. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, I otherwise, no, I'm not like a, a huge, huge uh, stan before. Right. But I am. But post-Yentatory has some thoughts. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I had uh, I had only seen her, um, I think, in Funny Girl. Um, in a, mm-hmm. I took a movie musicals class in college, and uh, we mm-hmm. watched Funny Girl, and I loved it. I mean, it's incredible, and she's incredible. And I, I became a fan of hers, and I really think yeah. that's only the uh, other than um, I've seen bits and pieces of her in some other films. Uh, a Star Is Born with Chris Christopherson. Yeah. Actually, um, yeah. You know, and I'm sure some other things, but that right, was right. But anyway, she she has that star power, and she has an absolutely incredible voice. So um, this is like such a unique movie. I think when you think about the rest of her stardom and and what she does, and and like you said, yeah. I think it's really cool that um, 
the story of the production and that she did this was kind of like a very personal project for her or it became one as it went along um and something that she did do uh all these roles for and um just kind of by sheer force like made this movie happen after it was turned down um over studios and it took basically like 10 years to to make because i was reading that after funny girl um was when she first like kind of became aware of the the story that it's based on um and and there was discussion of it being made um people telling her that she was too feminine to play the part uh that that it wouldn't work all this you know all this bullshit etc etc but finally in 1983 the film got made so um so yeah it, it was it was something i'd heard of before but had not seen um and and <laughs> i just want to the one thing i want to point out just in reading about barbara streisand um before talking about the film is that she just like she's dated a lot of very interesting people <laughs> <laughs> like, yes. like apparently she apparently she was with justin trudeau's father when he was the prime minister of canada mm-hmm. um, around the mantle from like 82 to 83 yes yeah um uh i also read about she was with uh richard baskin the heir to the baskin robbins ice cream throne <laughs> she lived with him for like five years that's just like the socialite, this like socialite dream, right? It's just like to marry a like heir of some large American corporation. Um, yeah, exactly. Like just find one casual. Yeah. Um, <laughs> she also had a little fling with uh, Andre Agassi, a uh, tennis star, um, and rumored to have something with uh, President Bill Clinton and Prince Charles separately, apparently. But oh, so, so Babs, Babs, uh, had her fair share of men <laughs> throughout the years. Amazing. Yeah. She can yeah. Oh, well, I'm not surprised. She's literally incredible. I know. What a lineup though. I just wanted to shout out that lineup of, of, of folks. <laughs> it's quite impressive. Right. Yeah. She was married twice. She has one child, I think. Mm-hmm. With the first husband. But yeah, the dating life seemed way more fun for her. That's true. Yeah. She <laughs> it seemed very fun. So anyway, so Yentl, um, so this is a movie, uh, basically it's based off of a story from um, a Polish-American author, Isaac Bashevis Singer, and um, it is about uh, the shtetls in um, turn of the century, the 20th century Poland, and uh, basically it follows the story of this, uh, this young woman, Yentl who wants to study in the yeshivas. She wants to study the Talmud and uh, she's not allowed to because she's a woman. Um, and so basically she's, she decides to um, pass as a man. She cuts her hair and she, she goes to the town over and uh, enters the yeshiva as a man. Um, she takes the name of her late brother, Anshul, and uh she goes she goes to study so um this you know this is like a great premise obviously i think like in terms of immediately there's there's just a great setup of like this woman who wants to do something that only men are allowed to do and um i thought it was interesting i i read that um in the original story of yentl uh this decision is portrayed as like a really bad one that like harms her 
ability later on in life and it's kind of like a downfall like it's almost more of like a cautionary tale and the movie the movie the movie definitely flips that on its head right like it's it shows this as like this courageous thing and something that leads to um uh yentl's self-actualization you know as a talmudic scholar (laughs) so um so yeah so so that's kind of the setup um yeah, it's like, 1904, supposed to be. Yes, 1904. And of course, one thing to note, of of course, you know, this shouldn't be surprising with it being Barbara Streisand, but uh, this is also a musical. So <laughs> so Yentl sings throughout the film. What did you What did you think of the music in this movie? Okay. <laughs> oh, like, keep this, like, something in mind, like, before we start talking about it, like, I, I love her <laughs> so much. She has are you a are you a musical fan in general like uh, like of like Broadway musicals like movie musicals? Yes, yeah. So I yeah. I really like musicals. It sometimes it depends. You know, you have to be in the right mood. I think like everyone, unless you're like a theater person, you have to be in the right mood. Um, yeah. The thing that I was going to say to like set up like kind of a slight critique. It was in the movie. Um, it starts off with like a music performance. Like she's, she's like the character is singing. Yeah. Uh, and also she's the only one who sings in the whole, whole movie. Yeah. And you also have Mandy Patinkin, a huge Broadway yeah. star in right. this film. It does not get to sing. Nope. Barbara only. <laughs> and, um, af- but after like the first like song, uh, it's all kind of like, a narration and she's just like singing about what's happening kind of. And it's really distracting because it's just like an over, it goes over the scene. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, a lot of those songs are happening, are sung in her head. You don't actually see Barbara Streisand on camera singing them. Um, And then it will switch like it's, so it's kind of confusing. Like she'll be sitting there and then like a song is playing and it's clearly her voice. So like, you know, that like this is the character's thoughts, but then like halfway through the song, she'll start like lip syncing it really terribly. um, Like not really on the words. And then, and then it's just kind of annoying because something annoying about musicals is sometimes it's just like, all right, wrap it up. Like let's, (laughs) really sad you want to study you can't because you're a woman we get it that is history yeah sometimes it's that's the risk of a musical i think is that if if an audience if you're in the audience and you are not buying the plot or you're bored at a certain part of the plot and then you hear those opening notes on the piano come up and it's like we're transitioning from dialogue into a song and it's like no like we don't need the song right now like we get what's going on like you don't have to elaborate on your emotional state right now like let's get a song in that moves the plot forward a little bit exactly Um, yeah exactly i would say like i like musicals and it's i mean it's like when it's kind of like all or nothing like hamilton's like you know it's like the whole thing is a song that's like the whole point for sure Um, little breaks i mean you you pause and you take a break and it's it's hard like when we're so used like especially now like thinking about like an old i mean it's from the 80s like i mean technically from the yeah. 80s but when you get like feeling really adhd and i'm like am i i'm losing i'm losing it but right. they were like thinking about that less like i think now um like more present day movies are probably like more conscious that people are really gonna stop 
and like look at their phones if it's boring like yes you have to do everything to catch your attention like barb was not concerned she was just like nope all eyes and ears <laughs> i really liked the first song or first couple songs like i th- i thought the first song of this musical was really good i really loved the music and the lyrics of it and it it yeah. sort of set up that like initial emotional longing which we had only seen in the uh, the first scene where she's at the market and she's buying food but the the guy the bookseller is coming through on the cart and he's like um you know uh religious books for men picture books for women uh and she tries to buy the uh i guess i don't know if it's the talmud but one of these uh, some religious text she tries Mm -hmm. to buy she's told she can't and then she says well i'm gonna buy it for my father so um we see her back at home and she's she's studying the talmud and she knows it better than i guess some apprentice that her dad is teaching um but then when that first song happens, she's kind of in her room and she's singing and she's describing the, like this emotional yearning for something more and how she like, like how she can be the best and how she can be as good as any man reading the, the scripture and the law. So, um, but I will say, I agree with you. Like, it's so funny because I think like the really easy critique of musicals is just sort of like, and I actually saw this in, in like the original New York times review of this movie. Like they threw in the critique of like, she's singing on the boat at the end. And like, none of the, um, none of the other travelers even notice her. Like this critique of sort of, uh, Oh, it's so weird that people just break out into song. Right. But like musicals are, that's what musicals are. And that's like, it's interesting because that's like the suspension of disbelief that you take in, in typically works. Like it's, I, I always end up, making fun of that and kind of like joking but it's it's just like it's funny to me and then i forget about right. it um but it's interesting because i do feel like she was trying to make like initially this was not supposed to be a musical but they they added the music as a way to like help sell its appeal because it was barb streisand so i do feel like she wanted to just make a serious music a serious movie about this topic right. um, yeah but she decided to have some of these songs um like sung in her head because of that way like she wanted it to feel realistic and like kind of avoid that oh she's just breaking out into song but i don't think it works like i think that it ends up feeling really weird like the song where we first meet um hadas uh avigdor's yeah bride to be um they it's just like i can tell that he loves her and then it's like over top the song is just like people like can you pass the butter and like can you pet it's just like them at the table um and that 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 one made me laugh luckily that was the only time that there was kind of like like casual conversation right but if you weren't watching with subtitles then which i was but if you if you didn't have the subtitles on it would be very hard to keep track of what the song is even saying and yeah i i thought that 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 song was actually um like i really liked it i wish that there wasn't like the the distracting kind of like kind of, yeah, <laughs> kind of song, yeah like conversation going on um because it actually like kind of ties into that first song that you mentioned where she's like she's wanting more out of life she doesn't want to just be like a girl like they keep you ign- she's kind of like implying like by saying ignorant i mean like that's great but like w- there's more to life i want to know like what other people know and i want to debate and and kind of like be more fulfilled 
um, than like looking at recipes and right. and serve it to someone else. And then she's thinking about Hadass, and I think that she is jealous on the one hand because he's looking at the oh we didn't even like get into the romance so part oh, but yeah. so she's jealous of like the guy who who she has a thing for um because he's in love with this wife but she also is feeling it's it's kind of like um typical she's, she's experiencing what it feels like to be a man and to be uh coddled and to to yeah. be treat to be like um to be served by the, by a woman who is, right. whose only she's job is to serve you. Like that's, she's experiencing that at the same time. And she's like, she's like, I kind of, this is kind of nice, but it's also weird. Like she's having some complex mm-hmm. emotions. So. Yeah, exactly. I think like the line was like, um, she's like, all, all she, she's like looking at Hadass and she's like, all she has to do, all she has to worry about in the morning is like what to wear and, and, and how to do her hair and, and look at a chicken recipe. And, mm. and, so she's like she's like jealous of Hadass, but then she's like maybe almost trying to remind herself like, well, I could be a pretty woman who he yeah. looks at, but then I would have to walk around and give him his carrots, throwing around his plate and and um, right. <laughs> stuff like that. Yeah, she clearly is uncomfortable in that position, right? Where she's maybe enjoying it, and this is what she wanted was to be a man, but uh, yeah, like the the mother and Hadass are just like walking around. Um, giving them more drink. He's like, meanwhile, <laughs> they make Hadass such a love-struck fool in this scene. She spills stuff like four times. <laughs> She's such a ditz. I'm like, no, why did you have to make the girl like soda? <laughs> but you I know, think like, they, I think they really, I think that like later on in the film, they they give more depth to Hadass's character. Oh like, yeah, well, thanks to thanks to Yentl. Yes. Yeah, I I think that this movie like worked best when um, once we get into uh, once almost like once we get a little bit away from the music and the opening setup and once we get into the love triangle, uh, if you want to call it that, that happens. It's like there's some complex stuff going on with the relationships. um, Yeah. And it's really interesting. Um, It's both night. And then I looked it up and actually. Yentl is the Hebrew equivalent of Twelfth Night. That's a. I, I was trying to remember. I knew. I, I could. I thought there was some like Shakespeare play that was similar, but uh, I couldn't think yeah, of it. I was different, but yeah, because to me this felt like a classic tale, a classic story, and mm-hmm. the only thing, the only comparisons I could come up with, two of which, um, I, I was looking at letterbox reviews for this, and uh, I found a couple, just uh, several word letterbox reviews that reminded me and i thought were pretty great the first said uh it's an intellectual she's the man um one of them said mulan for jews and uh and then i also thought of um like i don't know if you watched game of thrones but Arya stark in game of thrones like she wants from the beginning of that show she wants to be a soldier and she even later on like she's captured and she passes as a boy in the town and and everything so i was kind of reminded of that a little bit um but one thing and and it's kind of an interesting point too and i don't know i don't know how intentional or how much this even matters but like did you buy her appearance as a man like whatsoever no (laughs) hell no how did how were those boys so freaking stupid all she did was cut her hair so the question is the question is like, does it matter? You know what I mean? For the watching of this film, because 
I was a little distracted by it at first because it's like you keep forgetting that they don't know that she's a woman no, because it's right. just so obvious to you. Like that's kind of how I felt. Yeah. Her voice, nothing. So like along the yeah. same lines, the man like Amanda Bynes, like, well, it's it's <laughs> like it's like like Yentl, it's hard to disappoint anyone. It's not hilarious, like she's the man is. But like Amanda Bynes like changed her voice. Like she had like that dweeby accent and like tried to deepen it and right. um like really like like uh like went into the deception but um yeah uh yentl just cuts her hair she's very feminine her voice is like still like just very beautiful um soft mm -hmm. soft and like clearly i mean yeah but um she well, also like I, I she also is just wearing like makeup <laughs> like the like yeah. like barbara streisand is just wearing makeup throughout the film like yeah. she has like a very like polished pretty face just like okay i know <laughs> right another like really good song though to like kind of describe i think like maybe what they were going for um was like when she was getting ready for her wedding night and she was getting um tailored i mean he technically yeah, yeah. he was on getting yeah, Anshul was getting fitted for his wedding to a woman, and he was like, "Wow, like right, so it's it's like something something like right in plain sight, people are blind," and it is kind of true because I mean, ever since she's the man, like I have played out that scenario in my head, like what if I had to act like a guy? Right. <laughs> like, right. Do do? I don't think that people would really um, assume like if it's your first impression is like, okay, this person is this gender because they're in my school, then like. You're not gonna like um, dig into it. You're not gonna keep staring at them and then start to ask them. For sure, and and in some ways, like in because the reason I was asking too is because like in, in some ways and in, in some circles of the world and societies, like people people just don't even think like people think beyond gender, right? So um, mm -hmm. or or argue that we should think beyond gender, um, which I obviously I agree with, and I think it's true yeah. in a lot of ways. Um, so there it does bring up the point of like well who oh, and and it also brings up the point of the absurdity of this the reason that she even has to pretend to be a man right like the okay. absurdity of there's no reason there's no good reason why she can't study the law and the fact that she goes undercover to do this obviously leads to tons of problems right she can't she can't study the law at the same time as um, being open about her feeling and her love for Avigdor. And at the same time, she kind of knows that like part of what is a, her special relationship with Avigdor is their, um, like their long talks and arguments about the Talmud. Like you see in the scene where they're on the cart uh, headed somewhere, I forget where they're going, but they're just arguing back and forth and like almost like testing their wits with one another about their knowledge yeah, of the Talmud. They, they were the only two people in their mm -hmm. class who were like, yeah, let's just. Yeah. And she's also, she's also um, given several scenes where she's portrayed as being the best scholar among their group. She remembers the most, she's the most intelligent. Um, so once again, obviously highlighting the absurdity of this um, uh, exclusion that she's facing. Um, yeah. It also leads to a problem because she goes along with Avigdor's plan to um, marry Hadass instead of him. Um, and she just kind of, I, I think this is like my favorite part of the movie is just how she like 
she just keeps going along with it. And then next thing we know, it's her wedding night. And then next thing we know, it's like, it was kind of great to watch. It almost like, like once again, like another movie, I thought of like some like it hot with the like gender bending and like almost sort of this old comedy style um, of the way that it plays out. Like the scene where they're basically like um, Hadass and Anshul are like, taken away from the wedding celebration and pushed into the bed by Hadassah's parents. And they're like, now give it, we expect a grandchild in nine months or whatever. And so they're stuck in there and like, she's like, shit, like, what am I, how, what am I supposed to do? And it's really comical, like the way that that scene unfolds. And basically uh, she, she uses the law in this way to set up basically saying like, it would be unlawful for me to have relations with you while you are still in love with another man, Avigdor. And she's like, also it would be unlawful for me to force myself upon you. You have to like, you have to like want to do this or whatever. So it is really, it's really funny. And like it, that, that is kind of when the movie got a little bit more interesting for me. Um, yeah. I was starting to get like major bisexuality energy. Yeah. Spoiler alert. No, the film reminds you many times yeah. that Yentl is straight. She does not want to bang her wife. <laughs> I um, know. I was like, are we going to go there? Like, I-, <laughs> I was like, okay, now, yeah, I was like intrigued by the bedroom scene. I was like, it kind of seems what? like that's a bit of a modern critique of this film is that it, it like, it doesn't go there, but like not everything has to be everything. Yeah. Not, I think you know what I mean? That, like, oh yeah. I think actually that original, um, that 1983 New York Times review that you mentioned, um, I read through it because I actually first read an article that said that um, it was a critique that actually made uh, Barbara Streisand so self-conscious about her work that she didn't come out with a new film until 1991, until mm. the next one, which, yeah. I mean, that seems like a reasonable amount of time between yeah. films, um, but fair enough, I think that she maybe initially, she, she took it hard, in other words, and yeah, it says like, it, oh, it was devoid of, of sexual energy. I don't, I don't think that at all. Right. Um, I think there was a lot of sexual energy. Um, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. It was. It wasn't. There's a lot of sexual energy. It wasn't acted upon. Yeah, um, and it was. It was 1904, and then it was. <laughs> but like, if it was made today, like, yeah, you maybe could have just like, like, it would have been. <laughs> yeah. Maybe could have been like, okay, here's the deal, Hadas, and then <laughs> she got right. either could have like clean, or she could have like done some other things. Right, like it seemed like she would have been down for whatever, almost. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I mean, she uh, she's been oppressed her whole life. She would probably have been like really relieved right. to have married to a woman, and it would have been like really cool because that was so illegal back then. Like maybe she would have just been like sick. We're like, <laughs> right. I read a uh, I read another uh, short letterbox review that that just said. Uh, Yentl could have had it all, but the writers were too stupid to know how to handle a solid throuple SMH, <laughs> which I think kind of sums up your thoughts on that. There, I was walking with Allie, and I was just like sitting there, and I was like, "She could marry her and then be their third. Right, right. <laughs> Literally a perfect situation. She's not a really emotional. Well, she was emotionally attached attached to Avigdor, but like. Well, it did oh. feel like it did feel like Hadass became emotionally attached to Yentl, even aside oh. because they because she, in some ways, like in some ways, Yentl or Anshul, right, kind of like gave her more, um, uh, gave her more freedom to just like they started studying Talmud together, and yeah. 
um, they their relationship wasn't based on sex too. So it was like they they developed this like emotional bond. Um, but once again, the whole thing was just like I just had I was like, oh man, like this like this is gonna have to go somewhere, right? Because then eventually Hadass is like, no, like you said that like you said that like you wouldn't force yourself upon me, but like I want you. And like Hadass is like really like I'm ready. Like I want to have relations with you. And she's like, oh yikes. Like um so she's yeah. just trapped in a web of lies. Yeah. Um the her initial out um was something that I noticed the men doing to Yentl from the beginning, which which is like because in this society, everything is like from strict code. They're always referring to the law. It is written. And it's like either the, the Talmud or like, I don't Is that the same thing as the law? Um, well, I think that the Talmud, um, I, I think, so I am not, number one, I'm not Jewish. Number two, I'm not an expert on these things. But the Talmud is the oral, oral Torah, which has um, sort of like all these um interpretations and other things that are passed down orally and then it also contains um different writings and like elucidations interpretations of those writings um and there's different sources of law right but i think this is like a big part of it and in, in sort of like right. how um things were decided and then the torah is is slightly different and involves you know a crossover with books of the bible and, and things like that and um, yeah the word of God and the old Testament, whatever, but right. Yeah, exactly. The law, this, this is what they're studying. Yeah. Yeah. There's a society, um, reliant on the, you know, written, I mean, or technically like a written version of an oral history. And like a lot of times she would want to do something like, for instance, when she was trying to buy that book in the beginning, um, she was like, I'll buy it for my, for my father. And he was like, no, you can't. It's, it's the law. And she was like, where? where was it written? What page? Because she, mm-hmm. she read it. And he was like, Oh, it's, 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 it's just, it's just there. And she was like, well, buy, sell me the book and then maybe I'll find it. And cause she knows that it's not there, but that's right. kind of like a lot of times to the gaslight women. Cause I mean, and that's why they don't want them to read the things. So they can kind of like, it almost seems like at certain points, they just like mentioned that it was there and it was like, yeah, it's probably, probably in there. But, right. um, or like implied, but like she wanted to know like the exact passage and that way she could like debate it maybe um, based on her personality. And then there was, there was another time, but then I think that she does that to Hadass when they're in the room because she's um, like trying to get her to, to not have sex with her. Mm-hmm. And, and like you said, she says like, Oh, actually um, it is written that if you're thinking, if, if you love another man, then, then you can't have sex with me. Right. Um, and also, by and then she and then she's kind of like sister to sister. You can't, yeah. you yeah. can refuse someone. Like I don't have to demand you or whatever the hell. Right. That, like weirdo phrasing is. But then because she teaches a dos and she's like, you know, you can read when I'm around. Like we'll close the windows and so society doesn't see you studying. But she's like, you can study and you can read. And right. then I think that dos reads and she's like, oh sweet, I can ask for sex. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, Yentl is really trying to pull off like a crazy long cotton here. Like she's trying to have it all, and she's she's kind of fumbling the bag in a couple different ways. Um, Yeah, but yeah, exactly right because she like she weaponizes Hadass with the law, and then Hadass you know uses it. Then she uses it against her, and I'm like, nice. Right. It should also be mentioned too that um, 
like when when you mentioned like drawing the curtains and everything like a lot of that comes from early in the movie her father's still alive right and her, and i think we mentioned this earlier but her father supports her studying the studying the talmud and um she she clearly has like a really close relationship with him and one of the i i think the most famous song from this film i i didn't know it but chelsea knew it was the papa can you hear me um, yes i mentioned that i have heard that before that sounds so familiar to me i don't yeah. think i've in this movie though right right i just think it's like sort of like a well-known you know show it's hard to call it a show tune right but like song a broadway song um and she i think she has some other moments later on too where she's kind of like singing to her father so like clearly like in this movie he's a he's a big character in her life and an inspiration and and almost in some ways like the way that he acts uh it gives her the confidence or like enables her to go chart this course that she does and, and essentially um go live in a man's world right in a man's body so um yeah i you know there's that relationship there's also of course the relationship between um anshul and avigdor which basically like i said starts out with this appreciation for like scholarly things um but i think it's interesting because they it it feels like more right like the, Mm -hmm. the thing that is kind of hinted at but never goes there is almost like when Anshul reveals that she's a woman that she's yentl um Avigdor reacts really intensely and violently but then he kind of switches quickly and next thing you know they're kissing and then they're kind of like in love and it's almost implied in this way that like it was such a quick switch for him that he like he already like had these emotions and these feelings for Anshul as a man but he couldn't, he wouldn't act upon them um, because it's homosexuality and he didn't like, but once again, I think it's like a, a value of this movie is this point of like gender doesn't matter for these things. Like his emotions were the same regardless of if it was like a romantic or sexual relationship or not. Right. And that's yeah. something that, that's something that I think men can often struggle with, with their other male friends where it's like you there's a societal like feeling of you can't express like deep emotions or you can't necessarily like really get to that same level as like you would with a partner with one of your male friends like it's just like fragile masculinity right of not being able to do that but they they do have that and they they just in some ways like in in some ways it's like torturous for her for yentl because she is so close to him but she knows it's like based on a on a farce, on a lie. So I think right. that, I think gotcha. that all the ways that that is weaved together is really interesting. Yes. And she never really got to like speak to a man like that because if she had before, if she hadn't cross-dressed herself, if she was discussing with any man, like, Oh, um, like it is written this, or, you know, she likes to like recite, passages and she was so intelligent i mean that 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 was illegal they would have not necessarily believe her offhand right like yeah they would have been like you don't know what you're talking about or they would have been um upset or probably like scared like how how did you know this uh you're not allowed to read so um you know must be witchcraft or whatever um so yeah for her that was like the first time that she got to like have such deep conversations with someone right and i think from avigdor 
I mean, he definitely loved Anshul. Yes. I, from when they met, um, like they're going to school, I kept thinking like she, um, or sorry, uh, Yentl. By the way, Yentl's the female for, for listeners. Yentl's the wait what? The girl. Yes, Yentl is Yentl is the woman. Anshul yeah. is her her boy self. Um, yes, and Anshul was a, and yeah, Anshul was the name of her brother who died in the film. Um, and she she just like when she's when she's meeting with the boys in the cafeteria at the yeshiva, and they're like, "What's your name?" she like kind of stumbles and isn't sure. And then that's like kind of the name that comes to her head. And she goes by Anshul, which yeah. I think it's interesting. Like, like that the film, it almost feels like the film should be named. I don't, I don't know. This is like kind of a silly conversation, but like it almost feels like the film should be named by the like moniker that she goes by um, as the fake name. But you mm-hmm. could also argue, I think that it's like, no, it's Yentl because it's about, her it's like about her actual self or something i don't know but yeah it's her story she's just playing a character for not even that long <laughs> she that's true yeah it, it's I kind mean, of unclear to me how much time passes i have no idea how much time passes but there's not really like it just doesn't like graduate from school or anything yeah. but um yeah the, the first scene when she was a boy was really funny because she didn't know what name she was going to choose and she was like fumbling like he said like she's just fumbling along like why don't you think of the name Amanda Bynes would never. She had everything. Her <laughs> boys. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, she had time to prepare too, right? Like she. Yeah. yeah. She hitchhiked her way all the way there. She got rejected. Like, One thing that I thought was funny was that, like, when she first leaves town after she's like cut her hair, and she's she asks, um, she like asks this wagon if she can like join them and like ask for directions, and they deny her and laugh at her. Um, and that's all we see. And then the next scene is her at night doing the pop. Can you hear me? And I was like, I feel like we should have seen a couple more attempts. Like, like she was like so distraught from this like first failure, <laughs> like <laughs> leading leading to this really heartfelt like like <laughs> looking up into the sky like Mufasa, like help me, like <laughs> like one failure, and then you're like, okay, I have to pray to my dead dad. Yeah. Oh, um, like I could have used a montage. I think you know. It was yeah. It, it it was really funny in the beginning. It was also really funny. So like she finally gets to this place where they're like they're all going to different schools or um yeah yeah. She has to choose, and she's talking with the with Avigdor, who she just met, and another guy, and, and he's talking about his school, and um then he leaves, and th- this is where I kind of felt like like Avigdor was so um not that. He, it, he he was so helpful to Anshul, even though Anshul was like clearly like awkward. Because I mean, it was because he, he didn't know this, but I mean, she yeah. was he was acting so weird because he's really a girl pretending to be a boy. Right. Um, normally, like a kind of like weird like new guy comes in, and you would probably just go on your way. You would go off to school, um, but Avigdor like really saw something in him and was like, "Hey, if you decide to come, like." come to my school or whatever. Yes. Well, and also I think we should mention that they're uh, specific to these yeshivas, these schools that were, um, you know, where, where men studied the Talmud. There's a practice. um, I forget what the term is, but basically where two people are paired together and they learn, they learn as like study partners almost. And that is, 
that is what like the headmaster, whoever it was, like set up Avigdor and Anshul to be those like partners. So that yeah. is part of the the like uh, special meaning of their relationship, you know. Oh, but yeah, but Avigdor like maybe maybe wanted him to be his study partner or whatever, but they hadn't t- like discussed intellectually yet right. before he's like, hey, come on uh, to like my yeshiva and, and um well, she to- has a she she just points out like one chess move like she's like points out one chess move that they don't catch catch um queen and one yes. move and a really simple move and they're like whoa right and uh, the original queen's gambit <laughs> truly barbara streisand once again just like trailblazing <laughs> barbara streisand invented culture basically <laughs> literally every culture so she's sitting there like just by herself and he's going, Anshul, Anshul. She already forgot her name. The yeah. Name that- like, right. She doesn't react to it. And then he's like, hey, if you decide, like, come, come with me. And then she right. was like, she does like finger guns and she's like, I just decided I'm coming. <laughs> yeah. Was, well, this is going to be funny. And uh, I mean, it is funny in, in, in parts, but it's not, she's the man funny just to emphasize <laughs> i think when you look past the awkwardness of the the disbelief of people uh, like of her passing as a man and it sort of feels silly to me also i just felt like she, i just couldn't get this image out like i just felt like she looked just like dr anthony fauci to me like, <laughs> like so i just like was having a hard time not just picturing fauci um but like when you look past all that stuff, like she she does a really good job of acting in this film, I think, which is yeah, she does yeah. Which I just want to point out because I do think it's something where it's like she was a she was trying to, um, she was trying to do something serious, obviously with, um, doing all of these roles by herself, and then like originally wasn't supposed to be a musical and all this stuff. So like, I do think the acting is really effective, especially when we get to these later scenes where there's not as much music, um. Right. Yeah. Basically, yeah. the music doesn't add much for me in this. Like, I, I love hearing her voice, but it, it it always felt like it was like interjecting in an otherwise somewhat interesting plot, you know. Um, right. And, and yeah, just once again, like I, I think like just talking about Avigdor, like Mandy Patinkin is awesome in this film. He's he's a great actor. I feel like I wish he were in more movies. I know he's in some, but like. Um, I've never watched Homeland. I know he's in that show, but um, uh, I never realized that he was uh, he, like, I never put it together. That he's a Nigo Montoya from Princess Bride. Like, but of course, watching this film, it stood out to me because he looks, he looks, he looks like, a- just like him. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. yeah. He's really hot. He does really good acting. Yes. He does good acting. No, he's, he's a really good actor. There's a lot of like kind of weird, creepy le- leering, but, um, you know, maybe if they had given him a song or two, then while he was leering at these women, he could he could have been like yeah. saying thing or like giving us like, give us more. Like, what are you thinking? It would have been cool for him to have a couple songs, I think. I mean, uh, like I said, just like a lot of like prolonged stares. But I mean, that was how usually it's I mean, sometimes it was um, like Yentl singing about how he's looking at yeah. dolls or what have you. But um yeah he he is and and, but like one other key thing about this like three like this like love triangle they have going on is that when hadas and so it's revealed that avigdor's brother committed suicide 
um, he was he was using other excuses like consumption, and then someone else said that it was actually what was that? They said pneumonia, and then yeah. someone consumption, and then like Yentl's on to him. Right. So it turns out that it was suicide, which apparently is like bringing dishonor would bring dishonor to their family if Hadass were to marry him. So uh, it's not going to happen. And they really take a liking to Anshul because of how good of a boy he is and how uh, worthy of a scholar and everything. And then Avigdor is actually the one who suggests like, you should, you should take her place. It's actually, and he, he finds like a, he finds a passage in the law that basically is like, we are basically brothers because of our relationship um studying talmud together and like if a brother dies you're supposed to like take his his uh betrothed so so the so like it's interesting that he suggests that once again too because like you think that that there would be more of a jealous nature to the relationship but it's like once again that's something that suggests this kind of queer take on it where it's like he is like he is into anshul uh like because he wants to like be a part of it all like all three of them together or something like that so um yeah that's the vibes that i was getting right i feel like i feel like barbara like she just it just wasn't the right time like she didn't know how to she didn't know how to pull that off like or how to take it there but i felt like that's what she felt in her heart (laughs) yeah i think that was the spirit of it yeah no now we can we can um pick that up but yeah it it wasn't uh probably would not have been normal <laughs> right, right. or even even i mean now it would be kind of um it, it would be like, it, it would still be like something controversial maybe but like a lot of um really progressive relationships and movies and stuff like that are are very popular in terms of something that would get a lot of attention you know what i mean so yeah it it would be a little bit more marketable especially through a streaming service you know (laughs) yeah yeah so yeah i mean so that's that's yentl i liked the movie um once again i think it like it picked up for me as it went along um the the some of the stuff was a little distracting but i still think it worked um and it's it's cool to see this project come to life with uh with Barbara Streisand at the helm, like it's once again, I think it's like she is known as this superstar and this great singer. Um, but it's cool to see her fit into this often in the world of film, very like male uh, world of like autism of like writing the film, starring in it, like, you know, like uh, Woody Allen doing that with all his films or like uh, what's another example? I don't know. Charlie Chaplin, right? Like, any anyone in the history of film who um kind of takes on that that sort of like primary author ship yeah. over everything like it's cool that that she did this and that's part of her body of work it is it's really amazing i was i watched an interview there was like something on youtube she was interviewed after it and she said that people a lot of people are really in hollywood were extremely upset to see her coming up as producer or as as executive producer and um, I, I have to wonder, like, who who was it? And and maybe it wasn't the time, but like now nowadays, I hope that people would expose expose that a little bit more because that's it's 
it just blows my mind. I mean, and, oh, by the way, the, this movie is so important because she won um, Best Director, and she's the only female. At the, um, at the Golden Globes, yeah. At the Golden Globes, yeah. Yes. But still, the only female to win Best Director at the Golden, Golden Globes. Yes, the first and only. Yeah. Um, I understand, like, why, uh, like, women are, okay, like, biologically worse. Like, we can't play sports, you guys. Okay, fair enough. Like, all right, maybe people think we're, like, too weak to, um, like, lead countries, apparently, or, like, not smart enough. But, like, to be a director? yeah. Not buying that. Like that's the argument of sexism that just I don't buy. Well, like we can't be creative or um what it well, like I said, that involves like leadership, technically. Or people the, just don't The history of Hollywood too is is especially early Hollywood is is really fueled by women and contributions of women. Um, especially in the areas of like production and screenwriting and um so so obviously like there's always an influence uh, from, from both genders in, in the history of Hollywood. And I mean, of course, like it's, it, it goes without saying, but um, I, I think in, in terms of, yeah, anyone can direct a movie or, or, or not anyone can direct a movie, but there shouldn't be some sort of limitation on that. Um, but of course it's a really salient point because of um, how few women are ever nominated as best directors at the Oscars. Um, it's, it's very rare. It's only, happened a couple times and i think only uh a few women have have won best director so i i mean it's really it's a really key point um it's a trend that i see um a big change and like a big positive change like a lot of a lot more films even from this past year like films that have come out in 2020 really popular really critically acclaimed films that are directed by women um so i see like an upward trend there but um and and that's one thing too that I think like a lot of people point out is this like really positive um uh side effect of the streaming era is that there is this at least perceived democratization of opportunity um for different voices and stories um which I think is really cool. I think it's a little it's a little bit of a narrow point um because we're still so early into like how much of this is a bubble or not but um but for the moment, it's awesome to see um, people who traditionally have not been given opportunities to tell their stories through film have those opportunities. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. But but once again, at, at the time, like, uh, you know, this being 37 years ago, it, it was a different culture. It was a different um, environment. And by all means, this movie should have been made and she should have, she should have made it. But it, it just wasn't even the same, like. It, yeah, it, you know, it's still being discriminatory today. It was even more so back in the eighties. So yeah, I w- um, I just wonder if she kind of felt slightly connected. Yeah, your character like having to act like a man in order to to do what you want. Yeah, yeah, or even I wonder I wonder how she felt about this um, supposed like late addition of the music to the film. Um, it, yeah, where she wanted it to be a more straightforward drama um but you know the music makes it probably more marketable once again especially with her being involved and i i while it while it doesn't always work i do think there are some good songs and i i think that 
you know, it's it's great to hear her sing. So also uh, the composer, Michel Legrand, um, he's a alumni of this uh, alumnus of this pod. And he was uh, seen in the film Cleo from five to seven as uh, the piano player. And he was uh, the composer of uh, the music in the musicals, um, The Umbrellas of Cherbourg and uh, The Young Girls of Rochefort, uh, which were directed by Agnes Varda's husband, Jacques Demy. So he's uh, he's a cool figure and the music's good. He, he just did the music, not the lyrics, so. Um, yeah the Bergmans did the, the did the lyrics yes the Bergmans not not Ingrid or Ingmar some other Bergmans but <laughs> <laughs> yeah so yeah so so this was a cool movie to pick I appreciate um I appreciate you coming on and, and doing this do you have any do you have any final thoughts on Yentl or on Barbara Streisand um shoot uh no, I just I just want to say all all the love to Barbara. If you're listening, thank you. <laughs> you're the RBG of Hollywood. Um, oh my gosh, I I actually wrote down RBG because of because of her because of Yentl's desire to to go study the law. You know. Yeah. Exactly. Um, well, I know that you and two. One, I, I know that you've just picked this movie because you were interested in it. But I do think it's interesting. Like, obviously, you're a woman who studied law. Like, like talking about some of these things. Like, you you have experienced. I'm sure s- some of those similar instances of just like, you know, like why are you why are you interested in this? Like, even in a even in a modern progressive world of like just you know feeling those things in the field of law. I'm sure is is something that's there. Yeah, I definitely related to her as like as just generally a nerd. <laughs> I mean, it is <laughs> a lot better. I would say, like especially in law school, there are a lot of women, so I never felt that type of. You never felt like you had to pretend to be a man. <laughs> no, <laughs> or I never felt like someone thought that I was stupid right. just because of her. like if I was being stupid, then people thought I was stupid, like <laughs> being dumb. Um, so, so that's really lucky. And that's kind of what I mean by it being shocking to me that in another, in another field, um, that there could be still just such, such brash, uh, discrimination, because I think that, um, like I said, a lot of, in in my field, it's more normal now. I mean, I'm still probably, even though in law school, there were maybe even more women, I think it's about like 51 to 52% of law students are women. Yeah. Every I've ever had I'm usually one of the only women in the room I don't know I mean and then that just goes to life situations um well I know that in I know that in my field or industry if you want to call it that as well I know there's a lot of statistics of um basically equal distribution between men and women in like animation school or like film school um Mm -hmm. Um, but then when you look at animation and video editing jobs, it's, it's, it doesn't quite align. It's more, it's more like 60, 40 men or, or even more so. So once again, it's like, it's like, okay, well the, in education, sure. There's equal opportunities, but like, are those opportunities actually trickling to employment? You know? Yeah. That's where you have to be suspect. (laughs) (laughs) You can't say like, oh, women don't like animation. (laughs) 
Oh no, absolutely yeah. right. And, like it. and I think the statistics I'm thinking of too are even more focused on like what I do. This area called motion graphics. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. Obviously, animation is like a much larger field of um, specialized education and um, specialized skills. So um, I, I do think that you know there are a lot of women in animation, but um, once again, I just think the education is is more of an equal thing and then whatever happens afterwards is something systemic that is you know that is does not align to those numbers so right yeah definitely and i started on criterion i started the her second the um second movie the, yeah and so this then, sorry which movie the the two mirrors the yeah the mirror has two faces so these so this collection on the criterion channel um, which, by the way, this film and I, I'm imagining the two others are leaving at the end of January. So if you're interested in watching this film, you should check it out soon because it's it's not going to be here for uh, for much longer. So um, but this collection is all is the two other films that she also starred in and directed. So this is not the only film that she did this with. It's just the first one. Yeah. yeah. In the second one, she also plays, well, she plays, she plays a woman who is like kind of nerdy and more like interested in, in talking to her love interest about like things that she read and, and like, yeah. and stuff like, that. like a traditional um, female role. And I could tell what she was kind of like going for in her, her move, her movies, just kind of like changing the um, like bimbo, uh, <laughs> like the unbimbication of Hollywood. <laughs> character is always just like so beautiful and smart but mostly beautiful mm-hmm. um and she had she marries someone who like they don't want to have sex right they're not having sex in it uh so i haven't finished that but i was like okay i see where she's going with these is that movies. one also a musical or is it is as far as you know no. there's no music. it's plain yeah it's plain <laughs> music free zone yeah <laughs> Well, that's cool. I mean, we 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 both love Barbara, so keep doing your yeah. thing, Barbara. If you're once again, if you're listening, listening. what an I honor! Thank you. thank you, Barbara. All right. Well, thank you, Tori. Thanks for coming on the podcast, and thank you for um, bringing Yentl into our lives. And um, we uh, we'll, we'll talk. We will talk soon, and maybe we'll have you back on for a for another special episode. So. Um, So yes, thank you again. All right. Thanks.